And it continues. Working from home. The new life. The new is. The new working traveler is uh, more just working. Not traveling so much. I'm not going to lie. It sure seems like the rest of the world is kind of open and traveling. Uh, and moving around. I see some people, you know, some other travel bloggers are on the road again. People are talking about vacations in Europe. And, uh, oh, and I just saw that the United States dropped the federal mandate for mask wearing in public or whatever it was. And what are we undergoing here? Another lockdown in Shanghai. Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. It's 420. <laughs> that's good for a chuckle or so. That's about it. <laughs> Other than that... Um, it doesn't have any significance here because drugs are illegal. I mean, if I'm not even sure what would happen if you joked about it being a drug reference uh, anywhere, like sort of in a public setting here, because, um, yeah, drugs are not allowed here. They do not like that, uh, that stuff at all. Um, but whatever it is, 420, for those of you who don't know, is the, um, is the United... It's the United States police call sign or call number uh, when they are when it's a drug bust, and this is—I mean—it's been like this for years. Elon Musk, the hero of so many young Chinese uh, people, uh, he tweets about this quite a bit. Um, one of the—he's <laughs> currently trying to take over Twitter, uh, and he's joked about taking over the company or something like that for 420 or it was tesla that he was going to price at 420 sell everything and then he tweets this out and so he gets into a lot of trouble with this i mean i guess he sort of pushed it into uh although it was mainstream before that uh elon musk has um taken it a, a step further i guess you could say anyway um yeah homeworking continues uh, i was able to actually structure my day a little bit better um, in that uh, the morning break, uh, I was able to uh, get some Chinese character writing done. Uh, maybe it was last week. I spoke about the app Scritter. And Scritter is this Chinese character writing application. It's free. Uh, and when I first downloaded it, you had to sign up, which I, I get offended by. It's like, if you're a character writing app. Why, what do you need my email for, right? Why are you harvesting this? So, you know, I, I pick one of the uh, one of the several dummy accounts that I can uh, use. And the uh, I, my first experience with it was that it's very slow and clunky. Uh, I still think it's very slow and clunky, but it it, it has one feature that I didn't appreciate until I started using it a little bit more today. Now, a lot, it is slow, it's clunky, it doesn't flow very well, like I can't skip from one character to the next without pressing back a bunch of times, but the one thing it does do is it doesn't show you the characters. You're given the square, that's divided in, divided up into uh, the, the pie slices or whatever you want to call them. Uh, that is typically laid out for a, uh, a, a, a 
Chinese character writing box. And with that, you you start writing. And when you finish the character, you tap to reveal the answer. Uh, if you get it right, it goes green. If you get it wrong, it goes red. You can ask for hints, and you can also just reveal the character, and then it will fade out after about a, uh, a couple seconds or so. So this is great. But forget the hints. Forget the answers. The great thing is that when you're given a two-character word, you know, uh, dao to receive, what are they? Can you write them? I mean, you know what the words are, you know how to use them, and if you looked at them, you'd, you'd recognize them pretty quickly, but take those characters away from you, just give you the pinyin, give you the meaning of it, can you write it? And for a guy like me who's preparing for a writing test, for a test that I'm going to need to write, uh, this is actually almost a... Is this exactly what I was looking for? <laughs> Uh, well, what I was looking for was a way to practice my writing, uh, and I do like the dictation exercises that they have on hskreading.com. I've found those very useful, but they're limited, uh, and they, I mean, I've done the easier ones, but it's harder to progress up uh, to the harder ones. Scritter might be able to uh, help fill the void a little bit, bridge, uh, bridge that gap uh, that I am seeing in my own Chinese writing abilities, uh, going from the very simple stuff, the dictation stuff, to uh, being able to write more complicated characters. Because especially at HSK 5, you know most of the characters that make up the words, but then there's a bunch of characters that are new characters and new characters in new words, all of which kind of makes it... it gets difficult. So... I am going to continue on with Scritter, and that uh, I will, uh, I mean, yeah, I, it's still very clunky, very slow, so don't expect it to, like, work miracles right away, but if you use it for what it's probably best at, which is just giving you a template or a space to write a character and very quickly, trace out portions of it, um, and then really looking at the stroke makeup of the character. The, you, the, the app is useful. It can help you uh, quite a bit. Um, other than that, yeah, just uh, I didn't get any of the reading done today. I was going to, uh, and now I kind of remember why I, have, I stopped studying Chinese on work days. And it's because... Switching between, I mentioned this, I guess it was yesterday or, or the day before, uh, wherein I'd like to just be able to sit down and focus on the Chinese rather than, you know, try to do a couple characters or uh, a sentence or two. I'm not at the level where I can just translate a sentence very easily, but I'm past the level of just working on one character at a time uh, even though Scritter works on one character at a time, but that's a different challenge. So, I, will I be able to continue with this, uh, like trying to intersperse study with work, or is it just going to be that studying is going to have to happen on days where I don't have work? And that worries me, because 
like most people, the less you work, the less you earn. And Chinese doesn't earn me anything. Even if I can try to justify it in some way, thinking that, well, forget the argument I'm investing in myself. I'm talking about dollars into bank accounts here, not, you know, for the edification of my old folks' home talk. You know, it, it's... I need dollars in the bank account now that can provide interest and, you know, pay rent at the end of the month. That's what I need. But looking at the investment of HSK5, HSK6, of learning Chinese, I still... I mean, I, for, for myself, I haven't figured out how I would be able to utilize the language, and this goes for Russian as well, in any sort of work, working or work capacity. I, I don't, I'm feeling to sort of see uh, the bigger picture. Um, I, I don't intend on stopping these, but in terms of immediate financial gain, I don't see it just yet. Uh, that being the case, I mean... <laughs> I'm committed to learning Chinese. I, it's hard to even explain why I just keep on going with this because honestly, I don't know what else I'd do with my time. Uh, although, I can tell you what else I'd do with my time because today I did that. I, I was reading a book. <laughs> I actually got another 80 pages done of Interior Chinatown, uh, the book I started yesterday. Um, and, I mean, I was able, able to actually read it. It helps that the book is... Uh, written in such a way that it, it flows very quickly. It's written like a movie script, so it's not difficult to read, although there are some pages where it is uh, more prose-style writing, but the vast majority is, you know, a word on a line, six words on the next line, skip a line, name, uh, speech, some sort of one, two-line piece of dialogue, and then so on, right? So it's it's very quick read in that in that regard and um, so I mean that's what I would try to do with my time if I wasn't focusing on Chinese so much yeah that's me I'm going to keep on working on the HSK5 stuff I, uh, I, I don't know if I could let it go I think I'd feel bad if I stopped and I think I've talked about it so much too uh, that sort of pushes me to keep on going where it's like oh hey Steve how's your Chinese you know I mean, to, I don't know if I could ever say that I've given up, uh, but I can, I can, I do know that one of the more defeating aspects of the language is that even the people that I know who've studied the language, married into Chinese families, and have, like actually, actually care about the language and the culture, um, they say they're still learning characters and words. That worries me. That go that that has guys like me who are kind of like, yeah, I'll learn the language. Um, kind of wondering, is it possible? <laughs> like, have I not have I not given enough of myself to this language in order to actually acquire it? Good question. Then again, I've mentioned this also before. If it's a ten year project and not like I need this right now type of project, I mean, it's not like a university semester where you know, an eight sem- uh, or university degree in eight semesters, you're done. Regard, you get your A's in the course, but you might not know what's going on. I mean, I live in the country here; I can use the language pretty, uh, pretty often. Um, so, with that in mind, learning the language, I, I can communicate as, as well as I need to for 
most uh, situations. I guess my next challenge will be shipping something to the Canadian embassy or consulate. I'm not sure which one I have to send it to. I think it's the embassy uh, to renew my passport. I was looking today uh, to see how I could actually get something shipped. It's all in Chinese. which And this isn't like spoken Chinese. This isn't even like written Chinese. It's internet written Chinese and a whole bunch of new characters that I got to figure out. <laughs> Why do I have to ship in my passport? COVID. Uh, they don't want people walking around the embassy and all that stuff and blah, 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 blah. So I guess at some point I do actually have to figure out or get someone who knows how to do this uh, to ship my passport to the embassy so it can be renewed. Uh, and uh, that's got to be done sooner than later. <laughs> like, um, we're, I think I'm, we're already two weeks past the time that I thought I had to get it done. So I, I should probably get a move on on this one. Um, but yeah, this book, Interior Chinatown. So I've been reading this and it's been nice to read an English book. Uh, it's a welcome break from the constant, I don't know what this means, uh, of uh, Chinese textbook reading. And same with even Russian textbook reading. But this book, uh, Interior Chinatown, I, it's it's interesting. I, I received, I remember hearing mixed reviews of it. Um, and there was people who liked it and there's other people who were kind of like eh, it was all right and i can see why they'd say it's eh, it's all right because 160 or 70 pages in it keeps on going on about the racial division in the media entertainment business in the united states for that purpose for that topic it talks about it quite a bit it, and it's not just like, because it's not talking about immigrants as a whole. It focuses on the Chinese immigrant to the United States aspect. Uh, and yes, there are, I mean, there's Chinatown. There are a whole bunch of other small expat enclaves, enclaves around the countries, around the world um, that would share similarities to the story, but they'd all be sort of unique unto themselves. The one thing, I mean, it does, the one thing that stands out in this book is that the comedy is sort of starkly contrasted with some of the horrible things that happen that you can see happening. You can understand happening. Right? And by understand, I mean, like you, you've heard about something like this happening before, uh, like racial beatings, um, not getting a job because, you know, you're this color or that color, uh, or, you know, the job requirements of this ask for this, this, and this, and you're not that, and therefore you can't get it, right? I see this happening, though. I mean, and this is, this is why I'm saying it's not exclusive to Chinatown. It's not exclusive to Chinese immigrants to the United States because <laughs> with the... Uh, remember how I talked about the gaming thing that was going on, like the massive explosion in gaming uh, here in China? Well, one of the things that they often do is they request certain accents. Or this was, uh, I saw some consternation about this. There are these game characters 
that were your stereotypical, like there's a mob boss, there's a gangbanger, there's a, you know, this outlaw, there's, uh, you know, the business guy, and they all had certain adjectives. You can pick your colors, you can pick your nationalities, you can pick your accents. And of course, this blew up into a big rigmarole. I was like, oh my goodness. If you watched a movie with a whole bunch of generic faces, with generic accents, with generic flags, would that make you feel better? <laughs> I know, the idea was like, oh well, how are we going to change the system if we don't work on the small things first? And you go, well, yes, but these are based on the realities that can or do exist somewhere and yes they are heavily culturally ingrained especially as they pertain to media production that is when you hear the word gangbanger who do you think of what type of person do you think of i, I can one that i think of actually is the joker heath ledger uh when he's if i say like a truck full of soldiers or a gangbanger will die Nobody panics because that's all part of the plan, right? Like that sort of, that speech that he gives uh, about, you know, it's, society has certain roles for people and if you, if you fit this role, it's okay. If you fit that role, it's not okay. Uh, but who are the gangbangers? Who are the, the people who are involved in the sea underworld? So this interior Chinatown goes on about how all of these, uh, like all, this whole Chinatown is basically not just a cast of characters of immigrants it's a cast of characters that are picked to play immigrants in movies and in tv shows right and it, it, it plays up the whole racial stereotyping of the black cop the white lady cop uh you know potential love interest the asian guy uh says these things of oh your accent isn't good and he's like well i don't have an accent yes that's the problem you need an accent if you're an asian guy you need an accent get the accent going i can see this happening i understand how this can happen and i still see it happening with uh you know when you see casting calls put out and i mean i am subscribed to a few other uh job promotions and you know if there's game localization uh, or if there's uh, English teaching positions, I mean, there are certain preferences that they want. They try to be as inclusive as they can. I think they do. Uh, but let's face it. I mean, if you're the person paying, you, you, you have an idea of who you want. And not just who you want, but who you think would fit best into your organization. And you put that out there. You're not against hearing other ideas, but there is that idea that you have this organization that you run in a certain way and that you have a certain team of people who all get along or don't get along and you need to be able to complement that with with a, a new hire. I mean, I know I, this is getting very high-minded, you know, very ideolo ideological, but... That's the idea behind putting out requirements or specifications or requests for you know, job descriptions, especially as it pertains to the media industry. And the media industry is horrible. I mean, it's like when they say they want a fat white guy, they don't want a skinny white guy. They just don't. They, they don't want a skinny black guy. They want a fat white guy because the fat white guy's got to play a certain type of character in the movie. If you 
because typically if you go to a certain type of store or a certain type of place, you're going to see a fat white guy, right? And that that's, it has to portray that. These movies, these TV shows are portrayals of real life. They're not real life. But I mean, complaining that, you know, calling him a fat white guy or, you know, skinny black guy is an injustice to racial, I don't know what it would be, uh, to like racism and everything. I think it's going too far. Uh, I don't, I guess, I guess when, when, when something like this happens, you know, if there's ever a question about, well, this isn't fair. I, I kind of have to wonder, wait a minute, are you making the movie? Could you make the movie? And could you do it the way that you think it should be done? I can tell you right now that the people who try to be as uh, amiable to all and any criticisms they don't get done. Those projects don't get done. And if they do, they're not worth watching. They just aren't. I mean, because there's nothing to hold on to. You can't connect with any of the characters. You can't connect with any of the characters because they're all so generic. Very difficult. Very difficult to do. Uh, I don't know. I know the last couple of years we've seen uh, a lot of um, consternation, a lot of uh, vitriol about racial divisions and I think do you think I hope that we do move back to a uh, not move back in a, a horrible way a back in a backwards way but in a sense of celebrating our differences and seeing the cultural uh, differences and I, I know it's a lot easier said than done and yes I've been very privileged because I've been able to travel the world quite a bit I can say that uh, if if you point to any expat community in the world, such as a Chinatown, I also have to wonder, of the people who have become expats in that town, whatever whatever adjective town you want to put into there, have they tried to live anywhere else? And I don't mean asylum seekers, although it is one one way to flee around the world but of the people who chose to leave did they choose that place did they go anywhere else did they try to make it go anywhere else and so like i know i sit here going traveled many many countries lived in uh, quite a few countries worked alongside the peoples from many countries tried my hand at learning many languages and failed horribly in a lot of ways but you look at the diversity and you can you look at the expat enclaves and again i mean the people who are screaming about or saying you know racism this racism that especially as it pertains to such a visual medium as uh, film and television have you tried to make it go anywhere else uh, that's sort of my big question again i say this because i see these ads pop up for uh, you know uh, american accent what what's wrong with the canadian accent uh, well, we don't want a, a strong accent that can't be understood. <laughs> you mean like people from Liverpool? And I only say that word because uh, the Liverpool accent has a certain uh, um, 
reputation to it. And there's a few people that I know who are from Liverpool, and they all say that the accent is very thick. Or there's at least a lot of people with thick accents, uh, and sometimes they do have to be careful about, uh, or a little bit more cognizant of who they're talking about, aware of what they're saying to uh, other people so uh, from around the world. Uh, but yeah, so this book had me thinking about these uh, uh, issues today. I, I, hopefully I get through the book in the next couple of days. Uh, it, it should be done. It's only like 300 pages. I'm on page 180. I'm going to save it. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to read anything tomorrow. I don't work tomorrow. Uh, if anything, tomorrow I'm going to hit the, the Chinese books again and try to get through uh, some more of the uh, the textbooks, just so I don't have to think about that anymore, and then I can move on to the next stage of my Chinese uh, studies. I did try to finally put up a uh, video for ap- April a- April After Effects, and um, yeah, that's gonna have to wait until tomorrow. <laughs> it's aggravating. New program, new skills. How do you create an out point again? B is in point, N is out point in After Effects. That took a while to find. I did have to Google it. Uh, and then how do you duplicate things? Uh, it's getting a little bit easier, but I think I was overly ambitious in thinking that I could create a, uh, a video each and every day for the month of April with a program that I've never used before, at least not in like recent memory. I mean... March Motion was based on the idea that I'd used Motion so much that I should probably be able to sit down and do something on my own already, and I was able to towards the end of the month. So it's like a cumulative amount of like 60, 90 hours, maybe uh, 50, 60 hours. After that, I was able to actually use the program by myself to create something that didn't look completely horrible. After Effects is like that but on steroids it's it's a little bit more uh difficult so um i beg your patience with my delays and uh not procrastination but delays in getting after effects uh, compositions up all right i'm gonna leave it there folks thanks for listening in i hope you made it through that whole episode talked about uh 420 <laughs> and some uh, racial divisions in the film and television world and how we are a world of divisions and we should be more celebrating that than anything else. Although I understand it is easier to say that than to do it and this book, Interior Chinatown, that I'm reading makes that quite clear. Show notes and tracks up on my website. Hope you guys are doing well and... uh, We'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.